Welcome to episode 160 of In The Move For Podcast. I'm Peter Shepherd. I'm Callum Reid. And why I just said um, one one number at a time, I've no idea. Yeah, I was thinking that. One six, very American of you. Mm. <laughs> um, how was Holland? Pete's been in Holland, everyone. Holland was, listening. Holland was good, um, although the only English channels they had were BBC One and BBC Two. Uh, the prospect of this was Top Gear versus Peter Andre singing Fly Me to the Moon with his big band. You mean dancing to... No, like, singing. It was on some sort of like... Because um, uh, he's, he's on show. Strictly. I know he's on Strictly, but he was actually singing... It it's like a variety type program. I think I'd prefer the dancing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they found water on Mars. Hmm. Very conveniently, um, did you see the Guardian article? No. Basically saying that have um, Fox paid NASA to announce this yeah, in the week. week. The Martian's coming out. Yeah. It's very convenient. <laughs> it is. Well, well, it's like when um, Nelson Mandela died the day that um, Mandela along walked to freedom. Long Road to Freedom, Walk to Freedom, Long Snooze That Nobody Saw to Freedom. Uh, came I out. saw it, I reviewed it. <laughs> Sucks to be you. <laughs> yeah, but that obviously wasn't planned. <laughs> <laughs> just keep him alive a few weeks Nelson, later. Would you, would you mind just snuggling in here and dying? It was Harvey Weinstein was take, in there. Take, with the... <laughs> take one for the team. <laughs> oh dear. Um, any news non-film related? Because I've got quite a bit of film news this week. I actually did something which is extraordinarily rare, and I was actually be able to watch Chelsea win a match last week. Oh yes, finally. <laughs> <laughs> Albeit against this League One Warsaw. Oh yes, you actually went. Yes. Was it a typically frosty night? Cup, um... you know, cup night, etc. There was a little bit of rain in the air, actually, but um, when you consider that the um, uh, Warsaw has a sort of Phoenix Knights style club, where members of both fans of both teams can go and get a pint beforehand. Oh my god! That actually reminds me; they've just um, renamed the the British Legion Club in my hometown mm. has withdrew from the Legion, and they're now called the Phoenix. There's a, there's one man here called the Phoenix. <laughs> Oh, oh dear! Why? Why? <laughs> <laughs> oh god! No, Nina Hoss hanging Un- around. Unfortunately. <laughs> um. Anything else? Any sporting? Um, Other sports? Um. um oh, we took the Qatar. Angels, the Los Angeles Angels winning seven games in a row to get to. Uh, 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 just sneaking in spot for the playoffs with about six games to go. Lovely. And with a four-game um, series against Texas, who are only two games ahead of them, they might even sneak the division title. Well, a lot of that comes down to the form Yeah. once it gets well, to the end of the season. Nobody's hitting over 300. Trout's hit 40 home runs. Um, 
uh, but he's in like two nine six. But um, it's but that's that's pretty decent. Yeah, oh yeah, he's he's probably going to be. He, he might well be the well, will he be the MVP if the Angels win this division, probably. But hmm. Qatar World Cup happening November twenty twenty two for a month. It's just crazy. I mean. Now, especially now that everybody in FIFA is losing their jobs because they took money, just strip them of it. Who are they yeah. going to sue? You sue? You you can't sue because you illegally bribed people. <laughs> There's got to be more people who've in the wrong who haven't been caught. Yeah. Anyway, film podcast. Mm. Okay, um, first bit of news this week. It's the 60th anniversary today. Mm. Or yesterday to people who listen to the podcast, mm. um, of the death of James Dean. Really, sixty years to the day, nineteen fifty-five. Ah, now I was going to talk about this um, because uh, it, this really should be in the news because Ryan Adams has just released an album of Co- Taylor Swift covers. Yeah. <laughs> Taylor Swift covers. So does he actually have that James teenage? Was it James Dean daydream look in his eyes? <laughs> Our style. Yeah. <laughs> Have you actually listened to it? Oh, God, the album is because just cause I can use it for um, guitar lessons for the kids. <laughs> State of Grace is my favourite on the original. On the oh, new no, that's one. on Red. No way, that's on Red. On the new one, Styles, the version of Styles is quite good. Uh, the version of Bad Blood's okay, but Welcome to New York's pretty good, the new version of it. What about uh, Out of the Woods? Not bad. He just does it nice and acoustic. Okay. Still went for Taylor Swift's follow-up to The Giver. <laughs> it's the start of a new career. She's going to be the new Diana Ross. Oh, good grief. <laughs> She's not going to sing the blues. <laughs> um, yeah, so anyway, James Dean. <laughs> Sorry. Um, quick mention, favourite James Dean performance? Giant. I think he has a load of fun in that. Okay. I prefer him in East of Eden, but mm. um, do you know that Anton Corbijn has a film out about James Dean at the moment? I knew he had a film out. I didn't know it was about James Dean. Yeah, it's it's called Life, and it's about an interview James Dean did with Life magazine. Right. But did, yes, was, did Ben Stiller take his picture and lose it? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I actually rewatched my Walter Mitty this week. <laughs> Can add that to red light then. More loads of Catherine Hahn this week. <laughs> I would say too much. <laughs> <laughs> too much Jack Black. Mm. Saw far too much of Jack Black this week. <laughs> we didn't see enough of James Marsden. <laughs> I'm sure that that much to your chagrin. It's all about men with J's this week, by the way. Mm. Um, that's how we'll get on to in the Garrett Gage. Yeah. But uh, anyway, next bit of news. Damien Lewis rumoured to be the next James Bond. Really? Is how it... do we feel about this? He is suave. Um, I'd worry about the... <laughs> is he too nice? Too old? Too old? <laughs> it's a bit harsh. Well, how much... How old you... was Roger Moore? Well, how... Yeah, but it's when you start... I mean, now, Daniel Craig apparently is older than Roger Moore was when he stopped. I wouldn't have said that. Mm. Wow. What about Brosnan? Brosnan must have been pretty old. 
he's getting on a bit, but um, I don't know. I mean, I think when you consider he broke in with Band of Brothers, what, 15, oh, 15 years ago, something like that? Maybe 10 years ago when he did Keen, that sort of time, if you were going to have him, but I suppose he wasn't as much of a name then. Yeah, I mean, what, so you think it should be somebody in the 30s? Well, is there anyone, well the thing is, you, they wouldn't, you, you don't pick uh, James Bond because he's a good actor, so you, you're you not, you're not, you're going to go for somebody, somebody who's got sex appeals for, for a start off. Yeah. So, you know, you, even though he's a very good actor, you'd never con- even consider someone like, say, James McAvoy. He, he just, not that he's a bad looking guy, but he's not that sort of like bloke who's going to widely appeal to a lot of people mm. in, in that way. But I mean, poof. there isn't anyone obvious. That's the problem. Yeah. There's going to have to be someone because I think this is Craig's last. Oh, there was someone obvious. Ten years ago, and his name was Clive Owen. <laughs> <laughs> and now he's too old. Yeah. Yeah. Um, next bit of news. This is random. Um, Sean Penn is suing Lee Daniels. Really? For $10 million. Is this for a film production of some description? No, this is actually for slander. Really? Um, Lee Daniels was defending... Well, I might have just done that with the Qatar um, uh, Football Association. <laughs> I'm sure they'll be fine. They're doing well enough. Um, but yes, it's, um, Lee Daniels, because Terence Howard has been in the press a lot with his basically hitting women. Yeah. Um, and has a bad history of it. Mm. And basically Lee Daniels, who Terence Howard's in Lee Daniels' TV show Empire, right. said that um, white People of the past, I think he mentioned Brando and Hit Women and Sean well, George, Penn. George C. Scott. <laughs> yeah. That's well documented. Yeah. But he, so he's gone for, gone for Penn and Penn's going to sue him? Yeah. Is it, well, you've got, well, you've got to be very sure about that. Yeah. If you, yeah, throw people's names around. I don't know, $10 million? Ridiculous no, I mean, I mean, Penn, you've got to be very sure about that if you're going to, if you're going to sue. Sure about what? That you didn't do anything like that. <laughs> oh, I see what you mean. Because then they'll dredge up your past. Yeah. Well, it's. I think it was to do with Madonna. Yeah, I, I've heard something about something like that before. Yeah. Mm. I can't imagine Madonna being too eager to get drawn into that. Well, it depends. Well, no, probably not. Um, and last bit of news, the foreign language deadline has been and gone. Um, oh no. So these are the final entries that <laughs> um, we're going to mention. <laughs> so firstly, we'll start with Argentina, which is, they picked The Clan, which is the Pablo Trapero film. Nice. Pablo Trapero, history with foreign language Oscar, any? Did, um, did Lions Den get submitted? Leonera definitely got submitted. Um, uh, White Elephant, I don't think, got submitted. I think he had something before uh, Lions Den as well. Let me just quickly get him up. Um, but The Clan is a crime drama. Mm. Probably not the most sympathetic um, type of film in this category. Mm. I think Carancho might have got submitted. 
Okay. Uh, just off the top of my head. I mean, look at that. But White Elephant is 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 really good. Um, so I don't know when that's coming out, but it's encouraging anyway. It was. Uh, Carancho was submitted. That was uh, that's Ricardo doing the Martina Guzman. Um, yeah, so that and Leonera definitely got nominated. It got it definitely got submitted. So I think that's not a surprise. No, he's got he's got form. Um, Denmark have submitted a war. No, this is from the guy who did a hijacking. Right. I don't know if he's just naming his films or something. Yeah. Um. So- sounds like it. Yeah, it's slightly gimmicky. Mm. Um. But this is this Tobias Lindholm. And this is about a soldier in Afghanistan. Um, so potentially Beatty there. Um, mm. A hijacking... Was a hijacking submitted? Uh, May have I, been. I don't think so. Okay. Off the top of my head. But uh, a lot of people saw that. They got a US release. Mm. Um, so maybe that's got a shot. Um, yeah, well, the thing is, they do like uh, a war film. But um, just because it's a war film doesn't necessarily mean they're gonna uh, they're gonna go for it. What about uh, Denmark's history? Well, they don't know it, do they, the Americans? Yeah, no, with the with oh. the Oscars. Oh, um, they had like a false dawn in the uh, late eighties with the the Pell of the Conqueror and Babette's Feast, mm. uh, winning back to back, even though they're actually released in the same year. <laughs> <laughs> um. In a better world, most recently, that was Denmark, wasn't it? Yeah, that was. Um, the thing was, uh, they're really most known for the dogma films, but they never, they they never got um, uh, nom- uh, nominated. Um, I guess if you're looking back on it, Italian for beginners really, 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 really should have it should have been nominated. Yeah. Um, and I don't think, I don't think Brothers got submitted. I think it's a little bit um, because I think. After Dogma sort of played itself out, they didn't uh, really. Um, it, it wasn't going to appeal. But um, Denmark, I mean, they have some fantastic films. But I think Festen might, um, was probably the one before. There was the one of the Dogma ones that. Um, Surely that didn't get in, did it? I don't think so. But that would have had them. That was definitely submitted. Yeah, I think that was a bit much for them. Mm. Um, France have not submitted Jacques Audiard's Palme d'Or winner. Yeah. They've submitted a film that was actually overlooked by the Turkish uh, selection committee. Really? Because it is in Turkish. It's called Mustang. And it's a feminist tale about a group of sisters who are basically condemned for their improper conduct with a few guys. It's mm. It seems like quite a comment piece. Yeah. Do they have a pair of uh, jeans that they all share over the summer? <laughs> the travelling pants. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they have a Mustang they all share. <laughs> um, but that's quite a bold move for France, but it is supposed to be a crowd pleaser, so maybe they're doing what you said. Um and well, the, fr- the French marched to the beat of their own drum. Um, <laughs> that was like a Les Mis style reference. <laughs> We're coming back to the resistance. The <laughs> uh, Beau Travail. Shades of that later. Um, 
But um, they, they do. I mean, if, you, if you'd have asked me what was the thing they should absolutely submit from 2007, um, it was uh, Un Secret. Because totally up the Academy's alley. Yeah. But it was released in the last quarter of the year in France. And so when it came to the next year, uh, they submitted uh, Persepolis instead. Yeah. And we all know how that got on. Well, actually, it got nominated. Well, no, but <laughs> everyone was kicking off because of it. <laughs> did it get the animated or did it get no, the it foreign? Or no, docu- it, got the anima- it got the animated. It missed the, didn't it miss the foreign? That and four months and everyone kicked off. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. Mm. Um, India have submitted Court, which will be yes. in my yeah. top ten mm. of this year. It is actually this year. Um, and it's a great film. I actually think that's got a shot at a nomination. Mm. Um, it's just basically about the ridiculousness of the Indian legal system. Mm. Um, but that's really good. And it's it that might help it get more of a release, because I don't think it's got an official release in the UK yet, because I saw it at a festival. So. Yeah. Um, this is interesting. Ireland have submitted Viva... Which is directed and produced by the Irish, but it is in Spanish. Mm. It's filmed in Cuba, and it's executive produced by Benicio del Toro. Really? Creative control? Hmm. They're squeaking that one, aren't they? Yeah. Well, don't get me started on Once's original song nomination. (laughs) I've, I've had that rant before, surely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we'll see um, Italy have submitted a crime drama of their own it's called Don't Be Bad lots of high profile countries submitting not festival films this year last year was very different mm. well I think it's good in a way because I, ca- I kind of feel that Ever since this new system for the Oscars where they add films of reputation that might have been overlooked, um, I think it means that people or there's temptation is to nominate something just because it got uh, selected for a film festival. I I think that's a load of bollocks. So I think think just going to anything on on the fact that it's uh, got prestige or it's trendy, I mean, no. Yeah. Some of actually thinks the best. Do you think that with the the fact that there aren't many of those films, then something like a pigeon sat on a branch can get put in? But the thing is, has it got enough? I mean, fine. I mean, has it got enough? Um, I'm not going to say critical acclaim, but um, has it got enough word around it? It doesn't seem like it's. I mean. It, it's it's one of the more auteur picks, though. Yeah, it depends what I mean. It depends what this committee's looking at. The thing the thing is, if it if it was um, the actual, it's not going to be in the top six because no, I'm, not by the general no. academy voting. Definitely not. Um, Russia have submitted Sunstroke, which is a three-hour film about the fall of the Russian Empire. Is this Sakharov? No, it's um, Nikita Mikhailkov, who directed Dark Eyes. 
the Mastriani. Mastriani one. Yeah. Okay. Uh, he's got a couple of BAFTA nominations. Let me check, see what he's mm. been nominated for. Well, Dark Eyes wasn't that great, frankly. Oh, really? No. Best film not in the English language, Burnt by the Sun. Oh, no, don't like that one. <laughs> they did a sequel to it. It's 94, it's really turgid and dull. Oh, God. And um, they did a sequel last year, and I was like, who cares? I mean, obviously Rus- Russians do. But no, that's I, I, 94, I really don't like that one. Yeah, that's that won the... Oh, it won the grand prize at Cannes in 94. Yeah, it won something at Cannes, yeah. Yeah. Bloody French. <laughs> <laughs> on that note, <laughs> let's move on. Um, Got a couple for Red Light District this week. Have you got any apart from uh, Ben Stiller? I've been seeing a few films. I could probably rattle something off. Okay. Well, we're going to start with Something from this year, it's called It Follows. Mm. This is a horror film directed by the guy who did the myth of the American sleepover. Really? Yeah. Um, so, which we both liked. We did. We both raved about it. Mm. Um, and it's very similar in that you're not sure what, what the era is. Right. Because, I don't know, you, you get you know it's not in the present day, but it could be late 70s could be early 80s there's like an organist in the cinema (laughs) so you know you know it's quite a way back Mm. Um, but basically it's about this this girl um, late teens sleeps with a guy uh, in a car um, that she's met a couple of times and then he kind of straps her to a chair and tells her that this Vision, this ghost, is going to follow her because he's passed on a sexually transmitted curse of some description. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's, it's all about the dangers of promiscuity. Yes. <laughs> and then it's basically a horror film from then on in, and she tries to give so it's it like to the ring, people. but with sex. Yeah, <laughs> it's great. <laughs> it honestly, it's one of my favorite films this year. Yeah. But it's really, really good. So definitely check it out. Um, what have I been watching? I watched Singles again. Never seen it. Cameron Crowe. Um, it's my favourite Cameron Crowe by distance, actually. Um, uh, Cam- it's, uh, it's because I watched The Woodsman. I watched, uh, watched The Woodsman and then this, then Singles. With an impromptu Kira Sedgwick double bill. Nice. But, uh, uh, Bacon, how, I'll just, how awesome is Bacon in that film? It is ridiculous. And I just want to shout out to um, Nicole Cassell because that film I think is so well directed and the editing is really good and it's economical and it's just... Uh, it's, this is the woodsman. Yeah, some interesting shots and, the, and only, all anybody ever talks about is Kevin Bacon because he's so good. But I think it's really my mind. It's such a crime that all she got to do in the next like eight years was like an episode of the L Word, and then a Kate uh, Hudson's a, yeah cancer Kate, romantic yeah. comedy. Yeah, good grief. Anyway, um, well, what yeah, about so, Kiri Sedgwick? I mean, she does the closer ended. Where is she? Well, I don't know. She is. She was awesome on the closer. She was really, really, really good. She's a great um, actress. She really needs but, to do more. Yeah, but um, with singles, it's just uh, it's quite funny because you see like 
Paul Giamatti is in like one scene, like cameo. You have got Jeremy Piven in a one uh, one scene cameo, and then there's, it's just brilliant stuff. Like Matt Dillon's got got his local band, and the local band is actually Pearl Jam. <laughs> <laughs> so there's lots of little like nods to the um, uh, grunge thing, which I personally enjoy, but obviously most people wouldn't. <laughs> It's um, but, uh, Dermot Mulroney in singles. It is Campbell Scott. We just mentioned his dad earlier. Oh. <laughs> but um, I, I really like. I really had a lot of time for Campbell Scott. But um, hmm. okay. Um, la- next one I saw was Daisy Kenyon. Yes. Have you seen this? No. This is John Crawford, mm-hmm. and God, who else was in it? Henry Fonda. Oh. And um, somebody else. <laughs> anyway, it's, yeah. it's a love. T- basically, it's a love triangle. Uh, it's a melodrama, but John Crawford is just really, really good, and it's really feminist in a great way. Um, so I bit I downloaded it because it's not available in the UK. Yeah. Um, but it's top top stuff. Let me just check who this other guy is. It's probably someone ridiculously famous. That I've forgotten. Clifton Webb dying. Uh. <laughs> Don't remind me about that, for God's sake. It's a reference to the Razor's Edge people. Oh, it's Dana Andrews. Oh, okay. Wasn't he in the? He was. <laughs> Random. <laughs> uh, but it's terrific. Otto Preminger directs. Nice. Uh, push the envelope uh, in the uh, against the uh, Hayes Code. Yeah, yeah. Repeatedly. <laughs> yeah. Um, what else have I seen? Um, so I married an axe murderer. What is that? <laughs> you don't know what this is. This is Mike Myers' follow-up to Wayne's World, which is basically where um, Mike Myers is uh, scared of um, uh, getting married, and he meets Nancy Travis... Uh, from uh, Three Men and a Baby uh, and uh, falls in love with her and then he soon becomes after reading like the National Enquirer's story on a, on a serial killer he seems seems uh, seems intense that his uh, beloved might actually be the axe murderer from the National Enquirer's uh, story okay and who plays oh Nancy Travis is the Nancy Travis is the girl. Uh, Anthony LaPaglia is his best mate, who's a sort of uncool undercover cop. Alan Arkin is actually very funny as the uh, LaPaglia's um, uh, boss, chief, uh, sort of like um, chief lieutenant or whatever. Um, but um, it's the first time Mike Myers like uh, got dressed up in. Uh, uh, he plays he plays his dad as well as uh, himself. He's, like, he's in full Scottish uh, mode and he's Shrek mode. Absolutely, absolutely hilarious. <laughs> And Amanda Plummer uh, plays uh, the sister. Where is Amanda Plummer? Um, well, after she killed every motherfucking last <laughs> one of us. <laughs> she dropped off the face of the earth. <laughs> yes. Did you know I was reading for the... Um, Quentin Tarantino has, still has his lists of people he wanted to play the characters of Pulp Fiction originally. And she was really? the original choice. Well, when you... Yeah, when you see something about an axe murder, you can, might understand why. <laughs> um, my last one is a film called There's Always Tomorrow. 
Do you want to guess who did this based on the title? Douglas Sirk. <laughs> Douglas Sirk. <laughs> and this is basically Fred McMurray, who is brilliant in this. Really? It's never been better. What year is this? This is 56. Okay, so this is a good 10, 12 years after uh, uh, Dublin Demacy then. When, what year was Dublin? 44. Yeah. Yeah, quite a way. Mm. Um, but it's him and Barbara Stanwyck. Again? Really? Yes. Um, so he's basically this... Um, he's this toy manufacturer. Um, Ooh, and... <laughs> he's married to John Bennett. Right, that, that's not a bad uh, lot in life. Exactly. It's not a bad choice, is it? And Barbara Stanwyck comes into his life... Um, who he's been with in the past and she's now divorced and they rekindle a romance and there's trouble within the family predictably mm. and it's good is, is there a very annoying daughter who disapproves of the whole situation yes oh no seriously yes the son is the oh. son gets sent to stage but the daughter is very disapproving as well all that heaven allows it's like your mom wants to have sex with Rock Hudson let her damn right <laughs> That is one. She'd that be is, the only woman who did. <laughs> I mean, let her embrace it. <sighs> oh dear, that is that is the one I don't like. <laughs> yeah, it's it's very very average. But anyway, this is good. It's not top. It's not top circuit. It's not imitation of life. Um, mm. But it's yeah, it's it's very worth a watch. Mm, good stuff. Any more? Oh, well, Missy, but well documented it's on that one. Still the same grade? Yeah, I just really like it. Benjamin Button still the highlight? Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, Jose Gonzalez. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let's get on to preconceptions. Yeah, this week we've got what? Hot and sour soup, sesame prawn on toast, mini spicy rolls and barbecue spare ribs. No, that's my Chinese from last week. (laughs) (laughs) Is that actually written down? Yeah, on the same piece of paper. (laughs) Uh, D-Train, Solace and Everest. Yeah, uh, preconceptions for the D-Train. I knew it was a Jack Black comedy, also starring James Marsden. So... Was hoping for something silly and light-hearted and a good laugh after a long day at work. Um, yeah, I knew it was Jack Black comedy. I like Jack Black, um, but he can be a bit intolerable at times. Mm. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't really like Jack Black at all. Actually, I suppose I should really get that there. But Marston, I do have time for. Um, I think he was good in Enchanted. I think he was good in Robot and Frank. He's got a nice little presence when he wants to. Yeah, well, are, you like Black in. The holiday, though, right? Uh, he's all right on holiday. Um, he's okay in King Kong, actually, because he's supposed to be annoying. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I've, Marsden, he's all right. <laughs> I've never been wild by him in anything, mm. so... That's because he didn't do any of the Magic Mike franchise. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the, the third one, <laughs> they need to take note. <laughs> Um, he was was he in Enchanted? He was the prince in Enchanted. Yeah, I think that's the best I've seen him. Um, so I, to be honest, I wasn't looking forward to it. Mm. 
How about Solace? Did you know anything about this? 0.0. I knew that Anthony Hopkins was playing a psychic. Oh, yes, I saw a trailer for this or something. (laughs) (laughs) Why are you laughing? TV advert. It didn't look too bad, actually. It looked really average, but it didn't look too bad. Mm. We'll wait till later. Yeah. Um, But I thought it looked like even if it was going to be bad, it would be fun. Mm. Um, I knew that Colin Farrell was in it and I like Colin Farrell in most things but he has done a fair few clangers mm. um, how about Everest um, Everest it was a very mixed bag of a cast I couldn't remember specifically who was in it but I knew it was half a lot of people that I like and half a lot of people that actually don't <laughs> but so the cast wasn't necessarily joined. I knew it was about like Cormacore um, and um I guess the um, natural comparison was always going to be touching the void. I I thought where I'm going in, and <laughs> that's um, a tough tough act to follow because <clears throat> touching the void is awesome. Um, yeah, I thought I thought it looked like a bit like the day after tomorrow mm. from the. Mm stills uh, from the market material but I did know that it was a true story I right. talked to someone from work and he'd read the book Okay. Um, and he was like oh eight people died didn't they so I knew there was going to be Spo- death spoilers <laughs> oh, sorry peeps uh, people die in Everest um, but it's I knew it was Balthasar Comica I thought the deep was alright I wasn't wild by it so he wasn't exactly a plus mm. I knew that the only person I remember was in it when I went to see it Jake. was Jake. Hmm, interesting and... that. <laughs> it's all about the J's, I'm telling you. Yeah. Um, and he was a plus based on recent performances apart from Prisoners. <laughs> but then, <laughs> that was Prisoners. That so, was. yeah. So, but I was I, I was expecting a showcase of a film. Put it that way. Uh, Solace. Done, we're done, Solace. That was it, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that was Everest as well. So that's a, that's a lot, isn't it? That's so, it. <laughs> so shall I tell you about D Train? Please. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't know where to begin on this one. I really don't. <laughs> We have to spoil it because we can't get yeah. around this issue. It happens like 35 minutes in, so yeah. it's not like... D-Train is an incredibly likely tale of uh, a, <laughs> of a loser played by Jack Black, who is the head of his high school's reunion committee. His uh, sole uh, joy in life, uh, apart from uh, demeaning his son and ignoring his wife, um, it yeah. would be to uh, get uh, to, to, to uh, make a successful uh, reunion. One night he sees an advert on TV which stars a former high school um, uh, not buddy, but someone who went to his high school. So he engineers a fake uh, work trip to LA in order to go to LA to try and persuade uh, this uh, high school uh, alumni, played by James Marsden, 
to uh, come and save the reunion by turning up because if he turns up then everyone will turn up well at least all the women would <laughs> but <Yeah. laughs> but and there is a but people and unfortunately that but belongs to Jack Black because it's shown up in all of its entirety on more than one occasion but after a night of heavy drinking and lots of cocaine and having been told by Mr. Marsden that uh, when we tell when he says to Marsden, you must get pl- plenty of girls, he says, oh, and guys too. Oh, what, you're gay? Oh, I don't like labels. Um, when he goes back, wasted to said gay man's house, you can imagine what might happen or not. <laughs> it was... We were talking about... We talked about this briefly earlier. Yeah. It's... um. In the scene itself, you can tell that it's going to happen. Yeah. But before that... Not completely out of the blue. Never, we would never it, have guessed it. And it changes the film. It it's completely the, changes the film. At the time, it was... I was... It's... as a gay scene, a gay sex scene. It's the most ashamed I've been of a gay sex scene <laughs> that I haven't been part of. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, well, I don't know. There might be a few ones that you were more ashamed of <laughs> that you have. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> but I I could have turned it off, mm. but I do think it recovers. Yeah. And I do think that for everything that is wrong with this film, and there are a lot, there's a lot wrong with this there's film. A fair bit that's wrong with this film. I do think there's some intellectual sense <laughs> to that situation, and I do kind of like that it doesn't end up being the misogynist mainstream comedy that it could have turned into. Mm. But it is a huge, it's a hugely random thing to happen in the film. Yeah. And it's so, I don't know, it's so. Well, I think we should explain what the film actually is like up until that point. The film's main... I was expecting comedy, comedy, comedy. It's not yeah. a comedy in terms of you're going to have... It's not a Judd Apatow film where you've got jokes. Um, it's cringe, basically. It is relying on you cringing and then the schadenfreude coming through. Um, yeah. I guess the problem with the film is that because... Jack Black is an incredibly likable character, unlikable character, and they are not making Raging Ball. Um, <laughs> it doesn't. It means there's no sympathy when they try and go for the pathos. You... I think it needs to be recast with somebody that's not Jack Black. Yeah, and it's just because he's terrible. I don't think he's terrible. I just don't think he's appropriate for this film. Mm. It's it, but just because. He's too broadly comedic for it. I think it needs someone like... Jason Bateman. Ewan McGregor or someone. No, not somebody... Jason Bateman's too dislikable. Hmm. Somebody that could be... That you could believe as a father for a first for first right. off. Because you can't believe Jack Black as a father in this. Well, that's because the longer it goes, the more he plays the character as an eight-year-old child. Yeah. So, again, that doesn't help uh, with any sort of like, emotional investment 
with with the character or any of the, any of the situations he finds himself in, or any of the relationships or the or the struggles that he finds himself in within those relationships, because he's just acting like a a, a sport brat who doesn't have a clue, and he's treating everybody like crap. And part of that is the writing, though, because oh sure, it's very uneven mm. and and then um, I, I think more tone from the direction. I think. Uh, it's really off in certain places, and uh, it. Um, I had it described to me as being immature, like with the like with the sex scene, because it's just there purely for shock value or, or just for, to get a. And there's a, a few lines in there that are a bit puerile and just there, just to design to get a like the um, uh, the the Marsden's uh, comments about stacking uh, lawn chairs. It's just it, it is it, it is pretty immature. Low stuff, which doesn't really gel with when they've been going for cringe for the rest of it. Yeah, mm. I, th- I feel like Black, like the character, is so has got so little self awareness in the first half that I don't buy the whole sequence where he tells his boss what's been going on. Oh yeah, that's completely out of the blue and and, and out of character. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I just that. On a basic story level, in that sense, I think it's pretty weak script. Mm. But I do like what it says about high school, and um, I think the gift said it better. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. But basically, just the point about people never really overcoming or breaking out of the role that they have in high school. Yeah. Well, this is uh, the film's. I think if that wasn't bad enough. The, the way that it's set up and the way that it changes and the tone being disjointed and, and the cast uh, the casting of Black and Warmth Black and all of that, all of that, if that wasn't bad enough, mm. it's pretty obvious what's going to happen in the final third in general. And then the, the big massive reveal, or not reveal, that the big massive whole point of the story towards the end is that uh, Marsden uh, doesn't, have it, it, it doesn't have his stuff together and yeah. Black shouldn't be... Uh, uh, Putting you on a pedestal, you can tell that in the first within within five minutes, not even within two minutes of Marsden being on screen. You know that's the point, so it's so mind-numbingly obvious. That, and you think, really, this is your big final scene? This is thank you, Chris Nolan, for pointing that out to me. Mm. Yeah. Teeth. Th- <sighs> Going back to the sex. Mm. Always. <laughs> Do you think that because I. I was saying it makes sense in the in the dynamic of the relationship, not in the actual. Yeah. It's a bit of an extreme. It's a hugely extreme. Thing it works to better on paper than it does uh, with when you put it when you actually watch it. Yeah, which is why you need. I think which is why you need somebody better than Black. Well, the, doing thi- it. the thing is with the actual with the, the with the scene where they get together, uh, Marsden like grabs him, grabs him, and then he kisses him, and he's, he's quite um, rigid. But then that moment, that sort of click moment where he gets into it, I laughed. I did find it funny because that's what they're going for um, with it. And then the next day when he's just lost his anal virginity, he's, got, he's just on the bed with that look on his face. You're supposed <laughs> to laugh. And then when you get a two-second um, uh, flashback of uh, Master pounding him from behind, you're supposed to laugh. So it's not done... But just... it's not funny. No, but this, I don't, this is I the problem with the film. I think it's, it's not sad, funny. though. I think it's supposed to be sad mm. that he would allow himself 
to get to that position just because that literally that position (laughs) (laughs) just because he feels inferior to Marsden because of high school Mm. this is why I I actually found that really sad well this this is the thing I think they do try and be go go for sadness on quite a few occasions Uh, if you don't care then uh, and it's not funny in the meantime you you got a film that isn't funny, that isn't sad because you don't have the investment in the characters, and it just falls flat pretty much yeah. consistently. Yeah, I I just what I appreciated about it, especially in the second half, is that it doesn't revert to heterosexual. You know, it doesn't become clear that everyone's heterosexual. You know, it doesn't re- go back on itself. No, and it doesn't really judge the characters that much. And doesn't Catherine Hahn try? <laughs> yeah. She well, she's great yeah. and everything. Bless her cotton socks, but what are you saddled with, dear? Yeah. 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 It's just it doesn't deal with the fallout of issues very well, the film. I and mean she even has to deliver a line about Jack Black's tushy being cute. God. Talk about a dramatic challenge. <laughs> it's like the reverse of Shallow Hal. <laughs> Oh dear! <laughs> the toilet scene. Basically, like <laughs> a couple of days after he's been there, it's just—it's just such a weird script. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And so I guess that you can see where, on paper, they're trying to mine the comedy. Like after it all, after. Marsden turns up at Jack Black's house. Suddenly, Jack Black's acting like a teenage girl who doesn't realise that she's been um, uh, played. Um, yeah. But it's not funny. No, it's a bit simple. And what about what Marsden says to him when he says, you weren't a blip? <laughs> oh, completely unbelievable. And ridiculous <laughs> with, with what he says to the his two mates just that I mean, it, the end of this film is a, is a series of um, uh, eye rolls that. Um, oh, it's, it's like it's like Romy and Michelle meets Teorema. <laughs> <laughs> it's bizarre. Yeah, it really. <laughs> is. But that's why I'd say it's worth a watch. Well, who who do you recommend this to? That's the question, I, I suppose. I don't know. This has got five point one on IMDb. Out of 15? <laughs> <laughs> That's a law for IMDb. Yeah, it is, yeah. I don't know who I'd recommend it to. No, it's... Um... People who'd like to believe he stood a chance with James Marsden. Half the world's population. <laughs> Probably more than half, if we're going to be... <laughs> 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 we're judging by Kinsey. <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear, what's your grade for this? C plus. Yeah, um, how nice. It did make me laugh a few times. It's not a one star film, but it's got a lot of problems. So I'm going to give it 3 out of 10, uh, very low 2 stars. Okay. Alright, so Solace. Um, this is Jeffrey Dean Morgan and Abby Cornish. They are a crime fighting duo. Um, two detectives who are uh, investigating deaths uh, committed by a serial killer 
he's going around killing people who have got something wrong with them. Um, so he kills someone because they've got a brain tumour. He kills someone else because they got got HIV positive. I kill someone else because... I thought you were going to say, like, they wear brogues rather than Oxfords. <laughs> That's in the... Uh... <laughs> Kingsman. The Kings, yeah. Um, yeah, that's... What else does he kill someone for? I don't know, walking into a Ca- pot. <laughs> Cancer, all that stuff. All that jazz. Um, so, basically, Jeffrey Dean Morgan enlists the help of his old friend, who's Anthony Hopkins, who has psychic capabilities to try and track the killer down before he... No, he hasn't got psychic capabilities. He can just read the script. <laughs> if he'd read the script, I don't know why he would have chosen to be in this film, because it's dreadful. Really? Um, it's And the script is a mess. Because it's got too many ideas of where it wants to go, and it doesn't commit to the right option. Because mm. all the time, all the way through, I kept waiting for a twist that never came. Really? But, because it seems so obvious from the outset, this is a big spoiler mm. to anyone who might want to see this film, it seems obvious from the outset that there's going to be a twist in which Anthony Hopkins is actually the killer. Yeah. And leading them all up the garden path. Well, just if anything, because you cast Anthony Hopkins. Exactly, yeah. And maybe that's the smartest thing they've done, is do that, because Anthony Hopkins does not turn out to be the killer. Mm-hmm. Um, but it doesn't the way things happen in the film it doesn't feel like it's pushing or pulling the audience in either direction enough right you know it's not it's not making us question is he isn't he Mm. it's not it just isn't throwing enough ideas out there and you know it isn't throwing enough red herrings the the writers haven't been watching Homeland then well, yeah. I mean, Homeland, it just needs more grey areas. It just needs more thought in general. Um, and it should have, you know, little red herrings along the way. And it's just not... It's. I just don't think it forces you to ask enough questions about what is going on. And basically what happens is Colin Farrell turns up half an hour before the end and the whole thing goes in a different direction. Hmm. Which makes the film uneven. And it is really random in... It's random in the motives that it's suggesting. And it's because you've introduced Colin Farrell half an hour before the end. Hmm. It just feels like he should have been integrated into the narrative a lot better. Hmm. Like all the way through. You know, to... It's sort of like screenwriting 101, really, when you've got a you want, mystery. You want to get Brian Cox on the case. Brian Cox, yeah, wading through the... <laughs> Telling Nicolas Cage how to adapt. <laughs> Meryl Streep's beautiful book about flowers. <laughs> I think Nicolas Cage could adapt to anything, honestly. Um, I, Yeah, so it just needs more... Because the whole thing about mysteries is you need options all the way through. You need the audience to be thinking, is this person doing it? Why is the killer doing this? Mm. So it needs to be constantly 
fostering questions. And it just doesn't do that. And it's just, you've got poor, poor Abby Cornish just absolutely saddled in this terrible role. And her and Jeffrey Dean Morgan have just got no rapport as a partnership. You know, they don't work on that at all. They don't work on the internal uh, politics of the police department. You know, you've got... This is... Jeffrey Dean Morgan's just got this psychic from nowhere. Psychic. (laughs) Psychic. (laughs) Um, Psychic from nowhere. Nobody even questions it. And... I'm sorry, but the the mentality of a police officer is not going to mirror that of a psychic. You know, police work is about rational thinking. I just can't believe that everyone is going to be so accepting of this person. So it doesn't even try to build stuff in and around that, you know, conflicts in and around the, you know, the main one mm. uh, to make it interesting enough. Um, It's spasmodically directed there's too many dream sequences and visions and the editing's just all over the place at times um and you'd think that from watching this film 80% of the world have got a terminal illness really because so, some of the stuff the random stuff that people come out with oh I'm suddenly I'm sick you know I've got weeks to live I'm stage 4 <laughs> And you're thinking, well, hold on a minute. Nah. <laughs> you know, where's this come from? Um, and then at the end, just to top it off, there's a twi- like a mini twist involving Anthony Hopkins where you find out that he has actually killed somebody in the past. Really? So it's just all over the place. And I think it's got... I think it's it's got stuff in there that could be moulded in a different way. To make this a decent film, I just think, from a writing perspective, the person's got no clue and needed to seek guidance. Right. So it's a D. Oh dear. Avoid. Right. Everest is uh, about the mountain of the eponymous, the eponymous mountain. <laughs> um, and it is set in the mid nineties and follows a couple of um, potential uh, uh, expeditions who are trying to reach the summit uh, who end up teaming uh, forces in order because there's such a queue of people who are trying to get up the mountain as such it's a comment on the commercialization of Everest uh, because uh, one uh, lot led by Jason Clark is uh, purely for hire um, uh, Josh Brolin is one of the uh, customers who says at one point I've paid sixty five thousand uh, dollars for you to do this um, yeah. uh, so uh, Jason Clark is taking a group of uh, uh, basically rich people or slash people who um, uh, aren't that are, are experienced to some extent but aren't necessarily uh, proper in inverted commas uh, climbers uh, John Hawks uh, is, is another um, and uh, he gets into an argument halfway because they all want to all, all, four different uh, groups of people who all, all want to go up on the same day, and uh, when they do get to the uh, top, uh, shenanigans ensue. Yes, um, I'm conflicted about this one. Hmm. I'm like Amy Adams. I have doubts, <laughs> <laughs> but. 
just the main reason I have doubts is because basically I think the problem with the film is what's also good about the film and it's because I kind of think that this film could be something like The Towering Inferno yes and really work on the characters individually and make it more soap opera-ish mm. without being cheesy and still yeah. be a really entertaining film. But then I also kind of respect that Cormac has made it not Hollywoodized at all, really. So it's I, I respect that he's respectful to the actual people that died, etc., but at the same time, I do think this this could be amped up and still be really good. Mm. As a, what do you think like about Cormac's influence on it in general? Well, it looks great. Uh, yeah. In terms of the framing, in terms of the lighting and everything, what have you. Um, it doesn't look great in terms of the special effects <laughs> on occasion. Budget, though. Yeah, it is, it is purely a budgetary thing. Um, I guess... For me, the problem is the shadow of Touching the Void. Because um, with Touching the Void, you've got... It's a docudrama. You've got re- you've got dramatic recreations, but the main point of it is just two heads talking to camera. And it's the two heads talking to camera that is really compelling. And that is why Touching the Void is really good. And uh, they get up really easily. And so in Touching the Void, it's probably about 20 minutes. They're at the summit. Because the story is how to come down. Whereas with this, I think it's more yeah. structured like a proper normal, normal inverted commas narrative. Yeah, and it's a problem. Uh, the pacing is a problem. It's lopsided as a result, and yeah, you care more about them getting up than getting down. When really, it's obvious from the beginning. Jason Clark has a line says, "You pay me to get you down safely, not to get you up." And it's obvious that that's the point. Yeah, plus when you hear that there's, there's going to be a storm around the time they're supposed to get up to the top. Yeah. You know. Okay, fine, it's a true story, but I mean, you can... It's a bit like, and I love Titanic, but it is a bit kind of like the bit before the iceberg. Yeah. <laughs> it's sort of like you go so far and it you kind of... And there's it's nothing... It's quite slow and then it's all of a sudden... And there's so little in... Um... Uh, Jason Clark's character that gets you to the decision that happens two thirds of the way through the film. Um, He's lovely though, isn't it? Well, He's no, kind of he is. yeah, yeah, perfectly fine. But the character-wise, what makes him just ditch all his professionalism? I, I, I don't think, um, uh, I don't think that um, on the page is fleshed out uh, well enough, uh, or they've done enough. Uh, with him and Hawks in order to get you there. But. Yeah, it's... I mean, going back to what I was saying before, like, I think the characterization could could be better, but at the same time, I did have emotion. I did cry in the film. Mm. Um, I, don't, I, I can't really explain why, um, but I just think that because Emily Watson was being so wasted. Oh, Emily Watson gets the absolute most <laughs> that she possibly can out of that. And she has to call Robin Wright Peach in this. <laughs> that is Robin Wright's name. 
that's obnoxious towards the end when Robin Wright just starts the ring around. Oh, we're Americans. <laughs> um, and Kira. Oh, dear. Kira, I, quite, I thought she was quite good. Well, no, it's just that it gets so hand-wringing by that point. Um, Do you think that they... I think it felt like they were dubbing a lot of it. The audio. Mate, mate what, for her accent? Yeah. Possibly. And for Emily's at the beginning. Possibly. They've probably done it for cheapness. Yeah. But yeah, Emily Watson does really well. She's kind of got this, like, Rosario Dawson unstoppable role. Mm. But. but yeah, Clark, uh, acting wise, everybody, not a bad performance on show. Uh, there's not a particularly great one either. It's just everybody is all. Kinds, kinds of turns up and um, does quite well. Um, yeah, it's probably. Would you put everyone supporting in this? Yeah. Well, maybe, yeah. maybe Clark. At, a, at a push, Clark lead, but I mean, it really is a push. Yeah. I found it brave of them to put Clark as the main figure, considering how events unfold. Um,. But I don't really get why they haven't made the journalist yeah. the main figure, given that it's about his book. Yeah. He's like he's not in it. No, that, that must be a legal thing. He's not happy with the film because uh, they, there's a scene where um, he get they, they come to his tent and ask him to go up, and uh, he refuses. But whereas in real life, uh, even the Sherpas weren't going back up, and no one came to his tent, so he's like he's he's. Uh, He's not happy with how he was personally made to look. We could, we could, so he thinks it's he thinks it's BS. Right. So what on that basis he doesn't have the rights to his own book then? Or he sold the rights. He'll have sold the rights and then um, he won't be happy with what they've done with it. And uh, in about 50, 60 years' time, um, Emma Thompson will be playing him. <laughs> when she'll still be around. Yep. Shall I live us all? <laughs> well, you seem beautiful creatures. <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think it felt weird that he wasn't made more of a key figure in the film. Because mm. especially because he... You can have I mean, a dispassionate view and you can have the overview because you're the outsider. Exactly. That feels more interesting. Um... But then, I don't know. It it's just a strange one because I felt it was. I think I felt that his comica's respect for the actual people in some ways prevented the film from being great, hmm. just because it felt like he was unwilling to really portray anyone negatively or but create again, any conflict. That was a problem with United ninety three where. Um... That it's by definition, it is realistic that you would have someone on, the, on that flight who wouldn't um, uh, want uh, people to uh, try and bring, try and um, storm the terrorists. But equally, if you do that, then you are implying his a family. So, his family's got to see that. Yeah. So. Unless you make someone up. Yeah. The problem is they made it, they made uh, you had to make him a foreigner. <sighs> that was the problem with that one. Yeah. Um, I wasn't a huge fan of the score. I thought it was a bit 
it kind of drew attention to itself a bit mm. in the first half at least um I can't say I thought it was a major problem but um it's um it's one of these ones where it shouldn't it should really just let the story unfold itself and I think it did kind of with the obsession with all the characters getting all the characters in um it chopped around a bit probably a bit too much and uh if you are going to um have that fractured a narrative where you've got all these different people stuck at various different parts of the mountain needing similar but different things at at the same time it just gets a bit uh, clunky uh, dramatically yeah it's yeah I I think it benefits from the location Mm -hmm. shooting um, which it did um I just think that if this was shot, it, this could have been something like Vertical Limit, mm. you know, and just been felt really shoddy. But I think they put a lot of time and effort into making it seem realistic. And it does seem realistic. It doesn't. At times, it makes you go, foof, um, with, the, with, some, with some of the, uh, uh, the visuals of the drops and everything. But um, I think it's really underwhelming when they get to the... Um, uh, summit, and considering that they spend so much time getting them there, that's. Uh, I don't think it should be a problem, really. But I think with the way that the film's structured, it is because uh, they've made more of that than um, wouldn't. It's like, well, they just suddenly, oh yeah, we're all there, yay, yay, take my picture. Like, what? Well, what? I don't know, but what would you expect them to do? Well, no, but I mean, it's not like a. There's not like a build. There's no build to it. Uh, where like, we're almost there. We're almost there. Oh, we're gonna get there. Or oh, just over this ridge or whatever. There's none of that. It's just at uh, yeah. uh, w- w- one point we're um, we're stuck here. We're waiting to get up there. And then, oh, we're there. It's awesome. I quite like the, the John Hawks bit though, where he's coming down, and then John Hawks like, no, I've got to. I've come this far. Mm. You know, I quite liked it. I think he acts it well, but I don't buy um, what Clark then does, but that's a writing problem, I suppose. Mm. I thought the woman was pretty decent who got to the summit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I quite... I got a little bit choked up at the end when they actually put the people up yeah. on the credits. It always helps. It's like the end of tracks when you put a picture of the real people. Yeah. It just made it all the more, I don't know. Poignant? It sh- yeah, it shouldn't really because, you know, you shouldn't judge something on whether it's true or not, but it does help. I think it's a natural, I think that's a natural thing. Yeah. I thought, I quite like this. Um, <clears throat> I think it could have, it's gotten a little bit, I saw this a week ago, but it's gotten a little less impressive in my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm kind of between, I'm kind of might be on the B minus level, mm. but it's very close to a B for me because I think it's pretty accomplished and I think he did well with this. Mm. Uh, six out of ten for me. It's a uh, very watchable, um, but um, doesn't do a tremendous amount for me. In all honesty, was there any point to Jake's character? No. Yeah. Just he's just a dramatic fix it. You certainly a fix. No. Mm. Um, shag, marry, or kill? Um, right, so I've got a shag um, Solace, because I didn't see it. Uh, yeah. Kill, D-Train, and marry Everest. 
I would marry Everest, shag the D-Train, and kill Solace. Okay. Uh, the position. Um... Oh, dear. D-Train, um... What about um, the woman that Marson sleeps with? Oh, the redhead. Yeah. Not really. Um, and then Everest. Um, well, should we be kind and say do everyone? Just for pregnancy. Are you just talking about the woman? <laughs> yeah, oh, for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Oh, so Robin Wright wasn't pregnant. Sure. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> So it's 1.0. Indeed. First. First. Garrett, on the other hand. Mm. If we start with the D-Train, Jack is a no. Mm. James Marston, yes. Hell yeah, hells yeah. Hell yes in this. <laughs> um, really good in this. And is there anyone else? Dermot Mulroney is a no. <laughs> the two friends are no. Mm. So yeah. Um, we have Solace, Colin Farrell is close but no. Mm. Jeffrey Dean Morgan is close but no. This is stacked week. Mm. And, um, we have Jake Gyllenhaal as a yes mm. in Everest. Jason Clark, close but no. Josh Brolin, close but no. Mm. So it's a 3.0, but it could so easily have been a 6.0. <laughs> yeah, but it's, uh, you've got a high bar. Indeed, yeah. Good week. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we have a website. It's moveforpodcast.com. Um, we can... I'll put what we might be seeing in October up. Um, we're on Twitter, at Move for Podcast. Facebook, in the Move for Podcast. You can see all our grades for everything in the last three and a half years. Uh-huh. And um, you can ask us a question if you want. Mm. And next week, we have four big films. Do we? We do. We'll definitely have four films this week because I will see these four films. Well, The Martian's one of them. The Martian is... Are we excited for this? No, I think excited is a strong word. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, you know. (laughs) I'll Um, say it. (laughs) We also have Macbeth. Oh, right. Is that this week? That is this week. Um, which looks very dark. Um, we also have The Walk with Joseph Gordon-Levitt as Philippe Petit. Yeah, not excited about that one. I've seen Man on War, thank you very much. Yeah. And we also have, and this is the event of the week, the return of Nancy Mayers. Really? With The Intern. Now, you must have seen the trailer for this. No! This is Robert De Niro as the intern of Anne Hathaway's fashion company. Uh. <laughs> so. Is it that it's... knowing a, a reference to uh, Devil Wears Prada? <laughs> I don't know, but Rene Russo plays the house uh, physio. <laughs> Queuing up for rub downs. <laughs> I think De Niro's gonna be, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Do you have a jam? Um do I have a jam? Um yes I do. Murderer of Blue Skies by Chris Cornell. 
that's a great title. Um, mine is Rewind by Kalela. Kalela. Hmm. Right. Um, we're done, aren't we? We're done. Yes. We're gonna. Should we end? What do you want to end with? Um, should we come around the mountain or something? <laughs> Oh dear! No, if there's a song about just being wrong <laughs> with, with T Train, yeah. <laughs> okay. You saw no, you saw. Oh, what's that? The Water Boys. You saw the whole of the moon. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and unfortunately, I did. And the wind that you're here